Shalom. Welcome to Sharing the Word. I'm your host, Dr. Driver. We're continuing our Sharing the Word on the discussion of end-time prophecies and talking about how the world today is really a preview of things to come before the Lord's wrath is revealed upon the world. As I covered Matthew 24, we discuss how Jesus explained in his first seven verses that many will come in his name, that there will be wars and rumors of war, there will be famines and earthquakes, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. But the end is not yet. He says, my friends, I'm telling you that we are truly in the last days, but we should not be alarmed, concerned, fearful, upset, or angry about it because God's word is true. God's word to man is so true that even when we read these things, we should just be rejoicing that the word of God is alive, active, sharper than a double-edged sword, cutting through the hearts and soul and marrows, judging the thoughts of intents of man's heart. That's Hebrews 4. But when we read the word, we know that God is also the God of comfort, the God of peace. He is our living hope. He is our eternal flame that keeps us alive. He is everything. And so when we see all the chaos in the world, there was chaos even in the first century church, chaos throughout time. But those who have been able to get through this chaos got through the chaos because of their love and their faith in God alone. Do I hear an amen? So with that in mind, what does that tell us? It tells us that even in the writings of Peter, when he talked about how the world is going to come to an end as well. And we read First Peter, and we went through those verses together, and we discussed that even though man, and I'm going to turn a couple of pages back to it, man has always delayed and has put aside things of importance and says, well, I'll just do it at a later date. And one of the things that really stands out for me on that one is that we must stay sober-minded. Because Peter was telling us that we must be sober-minded, we must be alert, we must be cognizant, we must be in tune to what is going on. And he says in verse 7 of 1 Peter 4, not only to be sober-minded because the end of all things is near, or is at hand, but he says, be sober-minded and watch unto prayer. Watch unto prayer. Now, we're not the only ones that are perhaps so prayerful over things of this world. Maybe there's those that are listening that are orchestrating prayer movements and praying for our, our nation, praying for the election, praying for our new president, praying for the, 
just the governors and the mayors of the cities that have been in chaos. But if anything in these last days, Paul is telling us to be sober-minded and to be prayerful. To be prayerful. But Peter goes on. He goes into his next letter in the epistle of Peter, 2 Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 3. Now, what I like about how this letter opens up in the third chapter is that it begins with, and I'm reading from the King James, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So Peter knows that your mind is your is your greatest weapon. Your mind is where the word of God does rest. Your mind must be renewed daily. Your mind, that's in Romans, your mind is where your focus and your direction and your actions are predicated to operate within yourself, which means if you don't think it, you don't say it, you will never do it. So when it says be sober-minded and also prayerful, it says that because your mind is the battlefield in which there also is spiritual warfare. So you don't want your mind filled with things that are of of disaster or yuck or chaos. You want to recognize through the visuals that your mind takes in that you're going to actually say the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are mighty and powerful and pulling down strongholds. So your mind will remind you of the things that God has spoken to you through the Holy Spirit. So you don't stand there and get all, just say, trepidating or uh, fearful. You You don't just watch TV and go, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid. What do I do now? What you do is your mind tells you because the word of God has come alive. It's planted in you. The seed of God is in you. It reminds you your hope, your living hope is in Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying this this second epistle, chapter three, I stir up your pure minds. So if your mind is on God versus the chaos of the world and the worries of the world, what is it that overcomes the world? This is in 1 John our faith. What is it that overcomes the world? Even our faith. So set your minds on things of Christ. Set your minds on things above, on heavenly things, not on earthly things that are passing away. Set your minds there. Be sober-minded, he says. And he says, remember, verse two, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. See, what I remember most about my most difficult times growing up, I don't remember diving into the Bible as much as I'm doing today. Especially when you're a young kid, teenager, young adult, and you move through life, even even as a believer. I read the Bible, but I didn't dive into it. I didn't swim in it. I didn't, you know, bask in it. I didn't go to it as my source of what do I do next? 
And so we have to remember the writings of the apostles. As we're reading Apostle Peter here. We have to remember what Christ said that's in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We must remember, verse 2, and be mindful of what God said through the Holy Spirit in his word of what would happen in these last days. Verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. That's people, when I see a scoffer, that's somebody that goes like, huh, we are right, uh-huh. They're like scoffing, making fun of you, calling you names, playing the dozens. They're, they don't believe anything that's of truth. That's a scoffer. Verse three again. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. You tell them that the Lord is coming, they go, yeah, right, uh-huh. I heard that before. You Christians are all the same. Every time there's a bad situation, every time there's a natural disaster, uh, you say the Lord is coming. Where is he? <laughs> oh, but they're walking after their own lust. So they say in verse four, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Well, I always take every opportunity as an evangelist to share my faith and tell people, yeah, this, this is an earthquake. Yes, this is a pandemic. Yes, these are events, but the end is not yet. And they go, what? I go, look at Matthew 24. I love taking people to where it all started. When the apostles were with Jesus and they talked about, look at this building here. And, and Jesus just goes and just explains everything to them in such a very eloquent way and says, and here is the story. Here is the truth. Here's, here are previews of coming attractions before the great and final day of this show. So take the opportunity to tell those scoffers, know Matthew 24, know what Jesus said, go through the first seven verses of Matthew 24 and let that person understand that Jesus said, these are the signs that will happen. Verse five. For this, they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now, what Peter is reminding the readers of his day is that the end is going to happen. And people are going to walk around saying, yeah, 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 whatever. Whatever song you hear them saying. But Peter uses the, the, what they would say, the oral tradition of the law. He would remind them of the historic fact of the law through oral tradition, that the world was destroyed of old in the time of Noah. Remember what Jesus says. Jesus says in Matthew 4, 24, Jesus says in Matthew 24, that it will be as the days of Noah, 
where people would be going around, eating, drinking, giving into marriage and being lasciviousness and all these other types of sins that are going on. He said this is what was going to happen. Jesus reminded us that in the days of Noah, God was so upset at what was going on with the world that he felt bad that he made man. And he only found one person and his family, but one person, Noah, was the only righteous man on the earth. And with the one righteous man, he was able to build an ark with his entire family, his wife, his two sons, and their wives. And God said, I'm building an ark to preserve and to protect you. And I'm going to now bring a flood to destroy all living things on the earth. But take these animals by two and put them on the ark as well. But the rest, I'm going to destroy all living things. Now, when we read in the book of uh, Genesis, uh, chapter 9, we find the results of what that looked like. The earth was destroyed. And when God saw the destruction that he brought upon the world with a flood, he says in Genesis 9, verse 11, to Noah and his family members, that God is making a covenant. And it says in verse 11, yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again would floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Now, when God makes a covenant and the covenant is a binding agreement made between two or more parties, we know God is true. So he's not going to destroy the world a second time by, by, by means of a flood. So God's not going to destroy the world with a flood. He destroyed the world once and used floodwaters. He's going to destroy the world a second time, and this will be by fire. So again, God destroyed the world because of its sin, rebellion, idolatry, its fornication. He destroyed the world with rampant sin and saved, preserved, rescued, raptured, translated. He took a family and God made the ark with Noah. Noah made the ark. God did it with him. And then what did he do? He put the family in the ark. God sealed the door with the animals with him. And then God judged the world with a flood. It rained and rained and rained. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, my friends, that story should stand out because we know what floodwaters can do. For those who've been involved in floods, we know what it can do. We know that when waters rise and the water banks just overflow, if you will, 
we find ourselves just going, I can't live in this house anymore. When water destroys your property, it's destroyed. But then there's going to be a second destruction of the world, and this one's by fire. So when God made the covenant with Noah, it was a binding covenant. But God said, according to even Matthew 24, as well as Peter, and even in the book of Revelations, we see that the world is destroyed by fire. So when we think about this, we have to say to ourselves, oh boy, water, fire. Verse five, one more time. For this, they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Verse seven, but the heavens and earth, which are now, listen to what he's saying, which are today, by the same word of God, but it says by the same word are kept in store reserved until fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. See, this is where we have to really now say to ourselves, oh boy. Now I use that as a way of a colloquialism because I want you to understand, God said to Noah, I am going to destroy the world. I am unhappy. I'm upset. God is a judgment God, if you will. He judges righteously, but he says, but I am going to use you, Noah, a righteous man to build an ark and save you and your family. So those who do not believe in the rapture, you need to read Matthew 24. You need to read the book of Genesis and the account of Noah and the ark. And I am telling you, and we're going to get into more discussions on end times dealing with the rapture. And we're going to cover the different raptures that people are talking about. There's different versions of the rapture. We will go into that. But let me just share it by this. When God delivered Noah, a righteous man, in his family from flood, and God delivered Lot, and his family, for God to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, God is the same God. When he does not like what he is seeing and everyone has turned its back on God, turned its back on the rules of morality, when God sees a nation, a people, or a world that does that, he brings judgment and if he uses natural disasters, such as a flood, if he uses natural disasters, such as a meteor shower on Sodom and Gomorrah, if he uses a natural disaster or any combination to destroy the world by fire, it is because man over time has continued to perpetuate the problem of rampant sin. And therefore God says, enough is enough. I am going to bring judgment but he will preserve, he will rescue, he will take out. 
the righteous ones that are his, to preserve them from the wrath to come upon the world of judgment of God. It's all in the Bible. So verse 7 of Second Peter 3, But the heavens and earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that, let me read that again, verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing us for us to perish, but that we all should come to repentance. So Peter is saying that God's character is the same as even in the book of Genesis, when he judges sin from the garden, and now because of what's going on in Noah's time, and he brings judgment upon the world. But he gave the world time to repent, and they did not. God is merciful. God's grace is sufficient. But he's a holy, holy, holy God. He is just. And he is not a procrastinator. He's not a wishy-washy, vacillating, maybe I will, maybe I won't. When God says he will do it, he will do it. Take that to the bank and cash that in. No matter what his word is, when God said he will do it, say it with me, he'll do it. He's not like man who says one thing one minute and then another the next. God is not slack concerning his word. And when he says now he is going to bring fire to destroy the world, he is going to bring fire to destroy this world. And to us, we think it's been going on so long with all this chaos in our lifetime, in our generation. But the word is saying to God, a thousand years is like one day to him, which means in heaven, in, in the supernatural, we don't, we don't have the same time clock. We operate under natural time, there's supernatural time. He transcends time. So let's just, just go with that for a second. So to God, it's like one day to him. Some have said in numerology that if a thousand years is like one day and the world was created six, seven thousand years ago, then maybe we're at the final day or the final hour of his judgment and his coming to take his people home going to happen is going to happen. He's not a politician that says one thing and then another just for people to like him or to vote for him. God is God. And when he says, I promise I will never destroy the earth again with floodwaters because I made a covenant with you, Noah, which in Genesis, we could say that is just so powerful, that is chapter 9, verse 11, then we need to say, okay, but Peter is telling you that God's word and his promise is that he will bring what? Fire to destroy the world. And the earth 
in the heavens will burn up. And Revelation says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But when we look at verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 3, we're reminded that God says judgment and fire is coming. Get your life in order. Even when the angels came to Lot's house to say, you need to get out, but don't look back, they had to grab them by the hands. Again, God long-suffering, God is long-suffering and patient and loving and kind and just. But he shows that he always brings out and gives the righteous a chance through obedience to adhere to the promise that God said is coming upon the world. And you have to do exactly what he said. Noah did exactly what the Lord said on how to build this ark. And because of obedience, God blessed him, preserved him, protected him. If you disobey when God gives you a chance, like Lot's wife, and turn and look back, the consequences of sinning, the consequences of of looking back, if you will, versus looking forward. The angels said, God said, don't look back. Do what he says. But he says that everyone in verse 9 of 2 Peter 3, he wants everyone to repent knowing what's about to happen to the world. I want people to repent. You want people to repent and get right with God. You don't, want, you, you don't want your loved ones or friends or co-workers that you know perish. I mean, we just experienced fires uh, in, in major states across the United States, mainly on the West Coast and some scattered throughout our nation. Now, yes, it was started by some arsons, arsonists. We get that. But it's still fire. Look how many properties were destroyed. Look how much acreage was burned up. Regardless of the management of this so-called disaster, we still know what that fire did, what it destroyed. Horrific. And there's floods in different parts of the area as well in our nation and around the world. So we can't say, well, well, that was... Such a bad disaster with all those floods and mudslides. That was really bad. People died, yes. But people also died with fires. Naturally, the natural disaster with fires. Natural disasters with flooding. Natural disasters with, with hurricanes. People die. Properties are destroyed. But when the Lord brings it and he uses the same forces of nature to bring upon the world a judgment, my friends, that's the time to start thinking, how many people do I know that I need to preach that the coming of Jesus Christ is at hand? You have no excuse. We need to preach, share our faith that the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Long-suffering is giving man a chance to repent. Long-suffering is giving man a chance to make the right decision with a sober mind. There are some who won't repent, regardless of what's happening. We read that in the book of Revelation. 
that all the judgment, the seals, trumpets, and bowls that are being done, man still would not repent. Pharaoh had a hardened heart. Man's heart is now becoming hardened, hardened because they refuse to accept what is happening as God's judgment. So now instead of repenting, they're cursing and blaming God. You are the only voice of reasoning that can help them see that this is a result of judgment. This is a result of man's sin and rebellion against God. I said a lot in this message. God is coming. Take the time and share your faith. If you love God, share your faith. If you don't know what to say, then he can pray pray this prayer. Pray this prayer with me. Father in heaven, you have filled me with the Holy Spirit. Because I believe Jesus Christ is your only begotten son. And in these last days, O Lord, fill me with the spirit of boldness, Fill me with the spirit of wisdom and knowledge of your word so that when the time comes for me to share, I do it under your voice, not my voice. As the apostles prayed for boldness, I'm asking for boldness to share my faith to my family, to my friends, to those I work with, those who in my community. And I thank you, Lord God, as Jesus said in Matthew 28, lo, I'm with you until the end of time. I'm confident and I believe you will be with me to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that come in my path. I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Join me again as we continue our discussion on 2 Peter Chapter 3 on Sharing the Word. Thank you for listening to another session with Sharing the Word. Join me again as we examine and open up the Bible on topics that affect the believer. <laughs>